It has been a full year since I've last uploaded any kind of content, uh, and I am so super excited about today. Man, 2020 was just a crazy year for people, and 2021 may or may not be the same. We'll just have to see. We're about halfway in, and things are starting to turn around. So, uh, hey, everybody, this is your boy Mike with the Romans 116 podcast, and I am just so thrilled to be back on here with you guys like I said, full year since the last episode, and today's episode is going to be uh, powerful, um, breathtaking. It's going to be so informative for unbelievers and believers as well. I'm so excited to see what God's going to do in your life with this episode. So once again, Romans 116 Podcaster, we are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And today is season three, episode one. So get your pen and your papers out and you're ready to take some awesome notes and just enjoy yourself uh, with this week's episode. Let's get it. All right, once again, welcome to the Romans 116 podcast. Uh, If you've got your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to the book of Matthew. The book of Matthew, we're going to start at chapter 26, and we're going to start in verse number 14 and read through verse number 16. I don't know what version Bible you use. I use the New Living Translation. I just love how plain English it is. Um, So yours may sound different, look different, Uh, because I'm using uh, probably a different version than you are. But either way, it's all the Word of God, and uh, let's uh, let's get into it. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve disciples, went to the leading priest and asked, How much will you pay me to betray Jesus to you? And they gave him thirty pieces of silver. From that time on, Judas began looking for an opportunity to betray Jesus. Uh, Let's open with just a quick word of prayer. Uh, Father, I thank you so much for this opportunity to upload this episode. I thank you for uh, giving me the wonderful gift of speaking. Uh, I pray right now, the Holy Spirit, you would have your way. Um, Help me to decrease so that you may increase. Maybe your word spoken, not mine. Maybe your will be done, not my will. Maybe your thoughts, not my thoughts. And may all biblical truth come out of this. And that's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. So when I was a kid, you know, and I was uh, growing up, I was a huge, 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 huge fan of professional wrestling. And I I don't know what it was. It was something about these larger than life characters that like I just, oh, I just I couldn't get enough of it. And I can remember my very first time I was ever exposed to this awesome, just acrobatic uh, sports entertainment. I was at uh, my mom's friend's house and they were watching a pay-per-view. I can't remember if it was SummerSlam or King of the Ring, but I remember the match. And it was Brett the Hitman Hart versus Jerry the King Lawler in a kiss my foot match. And you're going, what in the world is that? <laughs> and I said the same thing at the time. I was so kind of young though. Uh, but the concept basically was the loser had to kiss the winner's feet. And you know, later on, I did some research on that whole storyline. And, you know, Jared the King Lawler's character, his gimmick was all about, I'm the king, bow down and worship me. And Bret Hart was like, I'm not going to do that. Then it came to a heads at this pay-per-view event. And I remember the finish like it was just like yesterday. You know, Bret Hart's at the top 
uh, sitting on the top turnbuckle. He takes his boot off and just bow, just like, you know, jams his foot right into Jerry the King Lawler's mouth and just makes him eat it. And it was the greatest thing. It might have been gross to some people. But I thought it was the greatest thing ever. And I just became a fan after that. But, you know, growing up, I started paying attention more to like the 80s type wrestling. I was born in 1991. So I don't know nothing about the 80s, but there was a particular character that really just kind of stuck out to me. And he was Ted DiBiase, the Million Dollar Man. And the whole concept behind this gimmick or persona, if you will, was that I'm the Million Dollar Man. Everybody's got a price to pay. And the idea was that he could get his way because he was made of money. You know, I can just hear the theme song just kind of in my head. Money, 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 money. And he just goes, ha, 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 which is just villainous, just evil laugh. But when I was in the shower and the Holy Spirit just dropped this message on me, I began speaking something out loud that uh, really just made me go, wow, I didn't think about it that way. So the Million Dollar Man says everybody's got a price to pay. In other words, there's got to be something that you are willing to, you know, accept money for in order for something to happen. You see, in this case, in the story we're looking at, Judas agrees 30 pieces of silver is my price to betray Jesus to you. And I begin to just kind of stir on that and think about that. And the spirit just dropped it right there in my spirit. What is your price? If everybody's got a price to pay or, or if everybody's got a price, like name your price. This is let's make a deal, if you will. What is your price? In other words, how much would it cost for you to betray Jesus Christ spiritually? Oh, buckle up because I'm going somewhere with this. How much would it cost for you to betray Jesus? Because the truth of the matter is those of us who are unbelievers, we've already have somewhat rejected Christ as our Lord and Savior. And of us that are, are believers, every time we fall into sin or we stumble or, or we mess up, it's almost like we're spiritually betraying Jesus in a way because we are rather fallen to sin than to follow him. But I'm going somewhere with this. Turn with me to Mark real quick, chapter number 14. Mark chapter 14. You hear my pages rustling? It's because I'm, I'm uh, turning the page here. So uh, 14, and we are going to go to uh, verse number 21. For the Son of Man must die as the scriptures declared long ago. Pay attention to this next part. But how terrible it will be for the one who betrays him. It would be far better for that man if he had never been born. Why in the world would Christ say something like this? 
What does he mean it would have been better if this man would have never been born? Because Christ is all-knowing. And he knew that Judas betraying him and the events that are going to transpire because of this, he knows the way Judas's life is going to end. As a matter of fact, if you kick it over to the book of Acts, you find out that, well, really, through all four of the Gospels, you find out that Judas hung himself. But then when you get to the book of Acts, you find out that like his body fell to the ground and like his gut spilled out. And it's just it's a horrible reading of what happened to Judas. But Judas is spiritually separated from Christ. Judas is in hell right now. But a lot of you are going, I'm a believer, Mike. I'm listening to this because I'm a believer. Why are you hinting at all the unbelievers? Hold on, because I'm going to get to y'all here in just a second too. But Jesus knew the events that would transpire after Judas did what he did. So he's saying the love of him, right? The love that he's showing Judas is, it would have been far better if this man would have never been born. And I find that just so interesting and I find it so fascinating. But you see, what I find interesting is how Judas's life can be compared, right? It can be compared to what we go through when we uh, ourselves fall into sin or we stumble or we mess up. You see, because at the end of the day, everybody's got their version of 30 pieces of silver. For some of us, our 30 pieces of silver is lust. For somebody else, it's drugs. For someone else, it's alcohol. For others, it's greed. For others, it's anger. Everybody's got that one little sin that the devil knows if I can just stick it in front of your face, you are more than likely to fall for it. And don't think that I'm just talking to anybody because I'm preaching to myself as well. Because you see, me, myself, I have 30 pieces of silver that I struggle with every single day. And that is lust, uh, pornography, and perversion. You know, those are like the three things that have dominated my life since I was young. So don't think that I'm just some perfect guy over here preaching this to you because I am, I'm not. What I am telling you though, is everybody's got their own 30 pieces of silver that they would easily say, oh, you want Jesus? Sure. Give me this for exchange for him. We all have it. We absolutely, absolutely do. But you see, what I find interesting, though, is after Judas does what he does, okay, after he does what he does, he, you know, decides to betray Jesus, he sees how bad they're beating him, and then he realizes, oh my goodness, I made a mistake, what did I do? And he tries to go back to the Sanhedrin and say, hey, I messed up, I didn't mean to do this, here's your 30 pieces of silver back, like, I don't want nothing to do with it, and it's funny because the Sanhedrin basically are like, uh, no, like that's your money. We already gave it to you. Take it back. Like we, you know what I mean? Like there's this whole, this just trend that just kind of transpires, but I can't begin, but to ask myself and say, like, was Judas born already to betray Jesus? 
or did like something lead to it? You know what I mean? And that's one reason why like I like TV shows versus movies is because like with movies, you have like a whole hour and a half just to uh, get through it. You know what I mean? As far as you have a whole like hour and a half in order to like tell the whole story with TV shows, you got seasons, right? Which means you can really dig deep into character development and really just make your show just kind of expound on, you know, a certain character or an event or, or whatever. And so it's like, man, like it would have been better if you would never have been born. So when Judas was born, like, was he automatically picked to be the one to betray Jesus or did something lead to it? And then, you know, my mind goes like the Antichrist that will come on to the world soon, in my prophetic opinion, soon, when he comes onto the scene. Like, was he born as just a regular boy and, like, he was just doomed to be the Antichrist or did, like, something lead him to that? Like, I just, in my right mind, I just don't see a child, like, being born and saying, I want to follow the devil. And like, I want to rule the world and I want to be the Antichrist. Like, I just don't think it works like that. Well, you know, I could be wrong. I could be wrong. I'm getting sidetracked. Let me stop. I'm getting sidetracked. I'm just trying to tell you how I look at things when, when I read the Bible. I ask all these crazy questions. But um, you see, when, when Judas immediately does what he does, he feels this thing called guilt, right? It's that punch in the gut that every single one of us go through. It's that punch in the gut that we're just like, oh my goodness, like, what did I just do? And Judas tries to take it back and say, here, take this money back. Like, I don't mean to do what I did. But it's interesting how what's transpired in his life transpires in our life as well. For the drug addict, it's, oh my goodness, like, I promise I won't ever shoot up ever again. I won't ever smoke that ever again. This was the last and final time. Like, I'm sorry I did what I did, right? For the alcoholic, him throwing his 30 pieces of silver back is, oh my goodness, I shouldn't have drank that. This is my last time to ever get drunk ever again. I promise not to pick up another bottle. For the uh, porn addict, it's, I promise not to look at that ever again. And we just feel this guilt that just kind of comes all over our body. And we're like, ah, and we try to take it back. But I want to ask you a question, if you don't mind. You see, we all have our 30 pieces of silver that uh, the devil can slip in front of us to make us slip, fall, sin, whatever you want to call it. But can you afford the ultimate price? Oh, see, I'm coming for you now. Can you afford the ultimate price? If you will, turn with me to the book of Romans, if you've got your, your Bible or you are, um, you know, got the phone app, whatever it may be, turn to the book of Romans. Romans six twenty three. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. Through Christ Jesus, our Lord. The wages of sin is death. We're going to put it to you this way. The wages of your 30 pieces of silver is death. That is a horrible deal. If this was let's make a deal, you're saying, heck yeah, give me one more hit, one more smoke, one more drink, one more girl to look at, one more uh, pornography thing to view. You're saying all of that. But yet, in return, what you get is spiritual death. 
So can you afford the ultimate price, the ultimate price of betraying Jesus? When I start looking at this, I'm like, man, like that 30 pieces of silver is not really worth anything. And if you're here in the United States, I did my research, 30 pieces of silver equates to about 200 to $300. So you're telling me Jesus is only worth $300 to you, basically, when you, when you put it in modern terminology. That's it? Like, this is like the creator of the universe. This is a guy going around healing people and performing miracles. And this is the guy that's ultimately going to die for our sins on the cross. But yet, he's only worth $300? Like, if I'm going to betray Jesus, I'm going to ask for at least a thousand, two thousand, three thousand, a million, maybe. You know, you're going to have to pay me, government, if you really want this man in your hands because, like, this guy is important. Not that I would ever do something like that, but I'm just saying, you got to think of it in that terminology. $300, Judas? Like, that's all you could really, you know, come up with. So, what I'm trying to tell you is, I'm getting, I'm getting off track here. What I'm trying to tell you is, if the ultimate punishment or the ultimate price is sin, is death, then why in the world would you take that deal? Because you see, what is a wage? Well, a wage is a payment, right? It's, it's, a, it's, it's a price that has to be paid. When you go to a job and you, and you go work and you get your paycheck... That is a wage. So in a way, you could say that our Father God, who art in heaven, named his price. Hey, hey, Yahweh, what's it going to take for mankind to be back in right relationship with you? Oh, it's going to take death. Oh, what do you mean it's going to take death? Yeah, it's, it's going to take death. It's going to take the shedding of innocent blood in order for you to come in right relationship with me. See, there's more to that verse, though. Pay attention to it. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift, it's a gift. The free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. What does that mean? That means Jesus stood up and said, forgive me, I'll put it in hood terms. He was like, hey, yo, father, what, what you mean like death? You mean all these people got to die just because the two people, Adam and Eve, that you put in the garden decided to sin against you? No, 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 no. I don't think that's fair. So me, myself, is going to go down there and I'm going to live with humanity. I'm going to live the perfect life, the sinless life. And then I'm going to stretch my arms out on a cross and I'm going to die for them because that's how much I love them. And God loved us so much that he was willing to come down and wrap himself in human flesh and then die on the cross. The wages of sin is death. Can you afford the ultimate price? For my believers out there that are like, you know what, Mike, I only listen to this. Because I'm already saved. I know Jesus is my Lord and Savior. Like, I only listen to this. Really? Well, let me ask you a question. Are you a Judas? I want you to think about it. Are you a Judas? You see, there's a difference between somebody who is a 
Christ follower and somebody that knows who Christ is. You see, Judas knew who Christ was. Judas saw all the miracles. Judas saw, you know, everything that Jesus ever did, but he didn't truly believe. Somewhere along the line of walking with Jesus, he decided in his heart, this man is not who he says he is, and I'm going to betray him. Now, we can read the scriptures. We know that Satan enters into him to to cause him to do it. But somewhere along his journey in life, he's decided this man is not who he says that he is. And, And I can't help but ask myself, how many Christians are walking around out there and are basically nothing but a bunch of Judases? And I'm talking to myself because I was a Judas for so many years. I remember when I was six years old and the church we were going to at the time, the bus driver knocks on the door to, you know, say, hey, you know, we're doing visitation. They do visitation on Saturdays. And we just wanted to invite, you know, let you know and uh, make sure you're coming to church tomorrow, you know, all that fun stuff. And I remember my mom looking at me and saying, are you going to ask him? And I was like, how do I get saved? Because I was exposed to this doctrine of there is a place called hell and there is a place called heaven. And I remember at the age of six years old, probably seven, it might have been seven at the time. uh, I remember saying, hey, how do I get saved? And he's like, oh, you just have to ask Jesus into your heart. So I was like, oh, God, please forgive me my sins. Jesus come into my heart. Boom. And I was like, woo, right. And that was it. But there's a difference between saying it and actually like repenting and turning around and following Christ and actually truly believing who he was. You see, I lived my life as a Judas for probably 12 to 13 years. I went to church. I served in Sunday school. I was a class leader. I did all this stuff. I went through the motions, if you will, but I truly, truly, truly did not believe or understand what salvation truly was. You fast forward to middle school at the church I'm going to at the time, there's a play that they're doing called The Judgment, which is basically like Heaven's Gates, Hell's Flames, but it's their own little spin on it because it'd be copyrighted if they called it Heaven's Gates, Hell's Flames. And there's a part where every time someone would get thrown into hell, the pastor's daughter would let out this scream, like just, I mean, this blood wrenching scream that just made you jump out of your seat. And you're like, oh my goodness. Right. And you're, and you're freaking out. And I can remember just going, I don't think I really know Jesus. And so I go down to the altar and here we go again. God, please forgive me my sins. Jesus coming to my heart. Boom. Done. Was a leader. Went through a ministry training uh, program called Preachers in Training. Um, went to youth group and became a youth group leader and went through all this monkey mess. And then the ultimate thing happened in my life. The ultimate thing that I'm sure happened in your life. The ultimate thing that I'm sure probably happened in Judas's life. Ooh, the Holy Spirit is speaking right now because um, I didn't even think about this. The ultimate event that makes you turn your back on who Christ is, who he was, on who God is in your life. Everyone has a sense of who God is until that drastic event happens to you that makes you turn your back. For me, it was the death of my mother. September 19th, 2007, when my mom passed away, luckily and thank God, the pastor of the church I was going to at the time took me under his wings, let me live with him, and I was a preacher's kid for about three years. But 
I had this resentment in like the pit of my stomach where I would just question God, like, why would you do this? Like, and, and, and I was hurt from it. And I somewhat kind of turned my back. I was kind of just going through the motions, if you will, like go to church on Sunday, go to church on Wednesday. And it's like I was playing a game with God. It's like, oh, here I am, you know, serving you. But in reality, I was a Judas. I did not truly believe. And then you fast forward to September of 2017. Remember when everybody went crazy, right? They thought the rapture was going to happen September 23rd, 2017. Oh, the alignment in the stars is lining up and all this crazy monkey mess. And I can remember freaking out or actually I was bold and I said, I don't care if the rapture takes place. If I get left behind, it is what it is. I've seen the movies. I've read the books. I know how to survive. Don't take the mark of the beast. And I said all this crazy, foolish talk. And a good friend of mine, Jordan Mata, shared a video on Facebook by Dr. Mark Barclay that says what to do if you miss the rapture. If you have not heard my testimony, go all the way back to season one, episode one, so you can hear about it. But just real quick, I remember going home that night, and this was on the 20th, September 20th. I'm laying in bed watching this message, and I'm like, heck yeah, if the rapture is going to kick off and I'm going to get left behind, I got to know how to survive. And Dr. Mark Barclay does an amazing job of explaining what it's going to be like when the Holy Spirit is removed off the face of this earth. There is no more, you know, right now the Holy Spirit's alive and he's active and he moves around the earth and convicts people and says, hey, you need to get saved. Hey, you need to get baptized. Hey, I want you to go do this, go do that. And it's basically uh, Emmanuel, God with us. The Holy Spirit is active and alive. But imagine a world where he's removed off of this earth. How do you get saved? If the Holy Spirit's not convicting you, how do you get saved? Don't get me wrong. There's 144,000 Jews that'll preach the gospel. But ultimately for you, if you're left behind, ultimately you're going to lose your head. And that's what the Bible says. You're going to take the mark or you're going to lose your head. So ultimately you're going to pay you the price for choosing Jesus at a later date. Okay. But that has nothing to do with the sermon I'm talking about. I'm just letting you know. So I wake up on the 21st and I'm in the shower getting ready to go to work. And I mean, the Holy Spirit just came over me like a ton of bricks, just boom. And was like, Michael, you're scared of Saturday because you don't really know Jesus. You have lived your life as a Judas. You truly don't believe who Christ is. And I fell flat on my face, hollered out to God. I don't want to get left behind. I realize I don't really believe uh, I truly believe now it's because God gave me two prophetic dreams that night. Go back to season one, episode one, so you can hear those dreams. But um, my goodness, like I just cried out and, and I became saved the correct way, the real way. I knew Jesus now as my personal Lord and Savior. And so simply put, I've just got two questions to leave you with tonight. Those of you that are unbelievers means you don't believe anything about this Bible. You have nothing about Jesus. You don't believe none of that. I'm here to tell you the Bible is real. It's alive. It's active. As a matter of fact, Bible prophecy alone proves that this book is real. It 100% absolutely does. There's things in this book that was foretold over, you know, 3,000 years ago that's happening in our world today. It's amazing. It's crazy. It's insane. Maybe I'll do a Bible prophecy series one of these days, but that's not what the Holy Spirit's directing me to do right now. Uh, those of you that are believers, are you a real believer? 
or are you a Judas? And if you are a Judas, is your 30 pieces of silver really worth the ultimate price, which is eternal separation from Jesus Christ? Are you a Judas? I want you to think about that for a minute. Are you a Judas? Mm. I've got good news for you. If you said yes to that and you're like, dang, Mike, I think I am a Judas. Like, I think I am following Christ and I don't really believe. Well, I got good news. The gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. All you have to do, all you have to do is what Romans 10, 9 and 10 says. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. It is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, whosoever, that means anybody, believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Salvation is a free gift. All you have to do is just accept it. Because the truth is, when you're born and you're growing up in life, there's always this empty void that you can't seem to fill. That there's always this emptiness, this brokenness inside of you that you, you try to get fulfillment in. For, girl, for some girls, it's chasing after different boyfriends because they're trying to find love and trying to fill this void that's never going to get filled because you haven't fulfilled your purpose in life. And your purpose is to be in relationship with God. That's why you were born. That's why he created you. Let's start right there. For, for some men, it's lust and chasing skirts. And watching pornography and all this stuff that they're trying to fill this crazy void that they can't seem to fill because you were meant to be in relationship with God. So those of you that have your 30 pieces of silver in life, whether you're a drug addict, an alcoholic, a porn addictor, um, someone that lusts, someone who's into perversion. Hey, I'm talking about myself here. I was in the same exact boat. I was nasty. Um, Those of you that are suffering through those things, I'm here to tell you that tonight you can get that void. You can get it filled. You can get it filled to where you wake up with joy. You don't wake up with guilt. You don't wake up with shame. You don't wake up with any of that anymore. All you have to do is just cry out and just accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. And for those of you believers who uh, are truly saying, yeah, man, like I am a Judas, like let's go. You can turn it around tonight as well. And so here's how we're going to end this. I'm going to, I'm going to lead you. Those of you who have thought about it and you're like, you know what? I think it's time to get my life right. I want to give my life to Christ. I'm tired of waking up this way. 
Those of you that want to do it, I'll lead you in a prayer. I, I will. I'm going to lead you tonight in a prayer. And those of you that um, are Judases, you can become a real believer in Christ tonight. You absolutely can. He loves you so much. Uh, he died for you. And today is the day of salvation, as the Bible says. So uh, just repeat these words after me. Just simply say, God, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for me. And just say, forgive me of my sin. I know I'm a sinner. I know I deserve eternal separation from you. But I believe that Christ died for me. He rose again, defeating death, hell, and the grave. And so today, Jesus, I choose to follow you the rest of my life. Change me, renew me, and make me into your image. Thank you so much for saving me today. In Jesus' name, amen. If you said that prayer or you said something similar to it and you mean it within your heart, just like Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, openly declare that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you said that prayer or something similar to it, I want to encourage you, send me an email. Uh, the email is book, B-O-O-O-K, of O-F, Romans, R-O-M-A-N-S, 116 at gmail.com. I would love to send you some free information on next steps, what's due to get started, maybe even help you find a local church in your area, a Bible-believing church in your area, so you can get started on your new journey. Well, that's all I've got for y'all tonight. Uh, once again, this has been season three, episode one of the Romans 116 podcast. Are you a Judas? Those of you that uh, have gotten right with God tonight, those of you that have gotten saved, I'm proud of you. God is proud of you. Now go out there and just change the world. Um, I love you. And I know I'm sure your family and friends love you as well. They're going to hug on your necks and tell you they're so excited for you, so happy for you. And uh, those of you who didn't make any decision tonight, uh, I pray that you go to your prayer closet and just do that ultimate prayer that David says in the book of Psalms, God, search my heart. Search it. Perform heart surgery on me. Let him check your heart so you can find out if you are Judas. Thank you so much. Hope you guys have a good evening and we'll talk to you next time.